The FujiCast is an independent loading zone production. One of the problems, Kev, is that when we do these preamble things, no, normally it's whatever we say is it's going to be okay. But but if if we if we mention anything to do with this pandemic, you know, I've got to come back and edit this. Yeah, yeah. But Kev has taken to watching horror. <laughs> I'm sorry, gallows humour. Watching. <laughs> Watching horror movies, which you never did. You would never watch a horror know. movie, would you? The scariest thing I think I would watch is Midsummer Murders. Now, <laughs> I watched uh, I watched something called Shutter Island yesterday. Have you seen that? No. It's got that fella in it with... Um, that fella. Uh, famous guy was also in that the one with the boat, um, where he stood at the end of the boat, the, the boat that sank. Uh, Titanic? Yes, him. What's his name? Uh, DiCaprio. Uh, yes, him. He's not in a horror movie, is he? Shutter Island, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, uh, okay. I mean, I'm calling it a horror movie because it made me go yeah. eek several times. Yeah. I think it's only a 12. <laughs> That's not horror. <laughs> yeah, well, it's quite scary. There's a lot, I was of, lot of killing horror. going on. Well, horror is, is, to me, it's a bit like eating a... If you go to an Indian restaurant, eat a fowl. It's like a, you know... If, oh, no, I like a good fowl. Yeah? Well, I used to. Yeah, well, um, that, that's a bit like, you know, you've got to get yourself, you don't, not particularly enjoying it because it's so spicy. Yeah. But but you kind of think, well, I, you know, I can do this. Yeah, when it's done right, it's good. Good fowl. Well, I can't eat them now, of course, but yeah, there's no such thing as a vegan fowl. Is there not such a thing as a. I wouldn't have thought so. A meat free fowl. Well, it might be, who knows? But yeah, Shutter Island, scary things. Um, keeps me away from. I'm trying to think of some things you should watch. Social media world. Uh, what? What? Um, or what about it? Oh, I seen that years and years and years ago. Oh, well, you've seen that then? Yeah. Um, anything it, with anything with clowns? Yeah, I don't like any of that stuff. I have to say, uh, um, part of the thing that fr- I don't mind so much if there's a good story. Mm. What I don't like is just violence. So sore wouldn't be your kind of thing. Um, is that the one when they're in the basement and he has to cut his own leg off to get out of the shackles? I think so. Is that game game that. thing? Is, I saw that seen, once, yeah. Do you know you've seen all these movies? Yeah, there was years ago, though. Um, the scariest one I ever saw was a Japanese one. Mm. And he had this woman that crawled out of a TV with long black hair. Right. Um, I know what you mean. I've seen it. Terrifying. In the night garden. The Fuji cast. Welcome to what we've called, for the last couple of weeks, Main Show Monday. A nod to times that seem so distant, but are in fact only two or three weeks previous to the publication of this particular episode. Episode 69. And you'll notice that Kev, in this episode, is in the studio. But I want you to know this was recorded prior to social distancing. Oh yes, when we were permitted to talk with complete strangers face to face, of course. And um, and sit next to a snorer on a bus. Uh, this will be the last longer main show Monday for the foreseeable, as we've taken on the mantle of doing a a daily show now, which I which I hope you've been downloading. Uh, the the daily show, yes, may be more compact, but uh, it'll still feature interviews, as it has been doing. Your photography questions, as it has been doing, from the mailbag, and particularly now your very important questions about photography, tech, and non-tech, and what you've been up to during this time. Uh, the main show will be back as it's Monday edition only when the shutters have gone up again and we've either kicked this virus right where it fittingly hurts or it, we're in some kind of normality again, whatever that means. If you're new to the show, it may be called the Fuji Cast, but just like that well-known campaign, a dog is not just for Christmas, 
Uh, Fujicast is not just for those that like mirrorless cameras of only one brand flavour, so you're very welcome no matter what you shoot, even a pinhole camera if that's, that's what's floating your creative boat. Uh, today on this longer show then, Kev's book review returns, another one of your disaster stories. We visit Club Indulgence, virtually of course. That kind of decadent behaviour is otherwise a complete no-no for most of us right now. And, um, and we'll be talking with Fran May about her storytelling that drew great appreciation from the late great Bill Brandt. That's all to come on Main Show Monday. So, now an edit seamlessly back to our recording session a good few weeks back where I tell Kev a little more about Fran May and, and that relationship with Bill Brandt as a tutor, where I ask Kev to imagine what it would be like to, to go to his house with your pictures. Imagine what that would feel like. You're, you're sat on a chair with him pouring over your pictures and, and you're having to show your work to him. Yeah, ridiculously. Can you imagine uh, what that would feel like? Uncomfortable, I would yeah, imagine. I think so. Anyway... That's um, how I feel when I show my pictures to you. No, don't be stupid yeah. after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I would like, by the way, um, this is the... Um, I'm fed up now of this chair for about... Not as much, not as fed up as we are. <laughs> about 20 episodes now, I've had to edit the chair sound out. I really hate this chair. I've never noticed it. Now you, now you talked about it. It squeaks all the time. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yours doesn't squeak, squeak free. Why don't you change your seats then? Well, it's money. No, I mean, why don't you have my seat? No, because then you'd be squeaking. Yeah, but I don't move around as much as you. I don't have to press all those buttons and knobble those yeah. dials and stuff. Oh, anyway. That's another 300 <laughs> listeners we've lost. <laughs> Do we know anybody with a, with a, with a, with a seat business? <laughs> right, your question. You Mike. go first. Okay, this is from Mike. Yeah. Uh, just as Mike. I like Mike. Uh... And he says, hi, all. <laughs> Love hi the all. podcast and I'm catching up slowly. Listening from Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Question for both of you. If you could only take two camera bodies at a wedding and they had to be the same model and make, etc., which would you choose and why? And which lenses? Can't be a fixed lens camera, he says. Oh, He's throwing down a lot of parameters there. So what, you've got to have two cameras, same camera, they got to be s- same body. Which camera would you have twice? With you, uh, well, I don't have an XT4 yet, so I'd be choosing. Um, if it was Fujifilm, I'd be choosing an XT3. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was Canon, because of course I come from that Canon background, I probably wouldn't have gone for the X uh, for for the um, 5D4. I'd probably go for the 5D3. I loved that camera. Well, for me, it'd be X Pro3. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Mike. Oh, what about lenses? All the way from Queensland. Lenses, oh, lenses, yeah. lenses. lenses. How many lenses are we allowed in this golf well, two, bag? Of we've got lenses? two cameras each, haven't we? So we've got a lens, e- two lenses each. So just two lenses. Twenty-three, fifty-six, fifty-six, and twenty-three. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Same. And we're not going to we're not going to do that that APS-C equivalent thing. That's banned. Well, I might sometimes slip into no it. Hashtag no more full frame equivalent. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> um, Richard Wiedekind. Um, this is probably one for Kevin, as he's commented on this topic in his blog and on the podcast. His advocacy of professional mode seemed to surprise Neil and a good few of his followers, including me. My question is, seeing as the same metering system is used in program aperture and shutter modes, is there any difference in the calculated exposures? Stand by, it's a technical question. If I set my camera in program and use program shift to scroll through shutter aperture pairs determined by the meter, aren't I essentially doing aperture exposure, shutter exposure, when I select either an 
an f-stop or shutter speed in the sequence. All being equal, Kev, it shouldn't matter if I select my exposure with either program shift, aperture or shutter, but there might be a distinct advantage to p-mode if I'm shooting subjects where depth of field or movement are changing priorities and I want to react quickly, like in street or as Kevin found at weddings. <laughs> I'm looking at you. Can you repeat that, please? No, no. <laughs> just joking. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So if you're shifting the, the program mode, if you're yeah. shifting it either aperture or shutter speed... Yes, well, it's for any camera, really, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's called program shift. Then, yeah. then of course, you're no longer in P mode. No. Technically, you no. are, you're, you're adjusting aperture, you're adjusting shutter speed. So... Uh, but yes, is there any is there any advantage to it? Well, it's the same. Yes, of course. There's an advantage in that, you know, if you want narrower depth of field or you're in low light and you need to set a shot and the camera's, you know, uh, choosing a, uh, an aperture that's too wide or too narrow. Um, yeah, I mean, there are benefits, of course. Mostly the benefits are in the shutter speed stuff yeah. because if you want to, sometimes you want slow shutter speed to, you know, to, 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 to demonstrate motion or movement. Uh, sometimes you're shooting things that are really, really quick and you need really fast shutter speed. So, yeah, but P-Mode, te- true P-Mode is basically where you're allowing the camera to do everything. To do everything. Yeah. Mm, with a little caveat of, I suppose, is well, it really still, true P-Mode if you have auto ISO? Yeah, auto yeah. ISO. You've got, yeah. So. Anyway, thank you. R- Richard from, uh, I think this is Waiheke Island in New Zealand. So, uh, thank you very much. Right, yours. Okay, this is from Joe Arthur, and Joe says, Love the show. I've been shooting for over 12 years now. I've shot magazine covers, years of weddings, model shoots, commercial work, etc. But after all of that, I still feel as if there isn't much to show for it, even though I was proud of the work at the time. The past couple of years were tough personally, a divorce and a loss in the family, among other things. But it was through this time that I started to create more meaningful and better work. Mm. It takes much more to feel proud these days, maybe a handful of images a year. Do you guys run into this type of thing as well? Um, thanks, Joe Arthur from mm. Connecticut in the US of A. Do you run into that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very different personal circumstances and things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does take more. I tend to be less pleased with my work as quick these days, put it that way. Less pleased with your work as quick. Yeah, take so I, I need to I I, I think it, I'm it more It needs to almost mature before you're happy with it. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like a good foul. <laughs> like a good foul. Like a good <laughs> vegan foul. Um yeah, I guess I and guess then do so. a vegan foul. Bring in the foul. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um yeah, I think, but but that's a sign of um, that's yeah. a sign of your own personal. I think as you, as you grow with yeah. um, your abilities, then you're bound to feel you're, you're you know you're thinking, no, this could be so much better. I know I could do better. Yeah, and also remember what I always say: your picture doesn't have to be good; it just needs to be important. I love that saying of yours. And so, whether might, it's important to you or the client, that's, yeah, I, might, that's I, the I haven't got a tattoo. I think I might have that tattooed. Hmm, you could have my face tattooed next to it. <laughs> what, well, one backside with your face? <laughs> <laughs> and the other with your expression. Oh, that'd be different. Um, Melanie, um, Melanie, 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 Melanie Yilang. Yes, Melanie Yilang. Good day, Neil. Good day, Kevin. Thanks for your podcast, blah, 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 in brackets, as Kevin says. I listen to it on my way to and from work as a small-town librarian. I've followed Kevin's wedding photography online for a few years and aspire to a similar style of shooting. There we go. Thanks to your podcast. The other day I bought a second-hand Lumi Muse and used it camping as a hands-free walk-around light mounted to my everyday Carry X30 camera. 
of course, also in Australia, you'd be using it to spot the snakes, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The amount of people that die from snake bites in Australia. 1.8 a year, as we learned last week <laughs> on the show. Hopefully, I'll soon find a way to use it as, uh, as Manfrotto actually intended. Recently, I was invited to talk to the small local high school art class about photography, as I'm known in my community as a, an amateur photographer. I have a particular interest in shooting classic cars, community events, wildflowers and random stuff. And I like using adapted legacy lenses as well as my micro four-third system lenses. I'm not sure where to begin with a talk, especially as I haven't yet taken the step to making regular income from my work, which I hope to in the future. A teacher assured me they'd be interested in recreational photographers, not just professionals. OK, so she's going to do a talk. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, instead of a boring biographical talk, I was thinking perhaps it might be more interesting and beneficial as a Q&A. But I really don't know how to get this talk thing ball rolling. Now, you've done a lot of talks. Yeah. What's the best way to approach a, a talk? Well, um, the way that I I always think about these things, if it if it's basically going to be you stood there for half an hour, an hour, whatever it is, yeah. talking to people, then much like any kind of business presentation, because ultimately that's what it is, is a presentation, mm. it's good to have some um, framework. For, you know, don't don't just kind of blather into it a bit like I do on this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> you know, think, you know, a good way of educating is always for every session. Yeah. At the beginning, you talk about what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Then you talk about it. And at the end, you talk about what you already talked about. So you summarize. Right. So, hello, class. Here we are today. Today we're going to talk about taking so, photographs of poppies. So, one, throw forward. Correct. Two. Then you talk about it. Do it. And then in summary, you say, Three. so this is what we talked about. Yeah. Any questions, okay. et cetera, et cetera. So give yourself a framework. Um, give yourself some bullet points throughout to, you know, to think about as a, as a kind of anchor points for the talk. Um, and then the Q&A really at the end, I, I do see occasionally on the circuit, on the speaker circuit, I see some photographers who um, perhaps, I don't know. I'm probably going to get punched in the face for this, but perhaps think they're a little bit bigger than they they are, and they can't be bothered to to actually do a talk. Mm. So they just say Q and A with such and such. Come and ask me questions. Oh right. So not really imparting with any useful knowledge. No, it's right. okay. uh, you know, and, and I'm I'm like, yeah. Well, can't we just just do that in the pub? Can't we? Um, um, well, they're just taking the money, aren't they? Thank you very much. Exactly. So uh, I'm not saying absolutely. It's not saying that's what Melanie's doing, but it's um, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a seen as an easy way out, yeah. and and actually it can fall flat on your face if nobody asks a question. So I think also honesty is a really really important thing when you're talking to people. Um, uh, and and showing your uh, having humility, being a humble speaker is a really important thing. I thought one of the best. Um, um, <laughs> this is going to come out the wrong way, whatever way, uh, however I I, I I do this. But one of the funniest, best, most motivational speeches I've seen you do is when you started the. It was two years ago at X weddings, and you <laughs> you talked about your worst pictures from your first wedding. Mm. I saw the eyes around that room were kind of like they lit up in this kind of like, all oh, right, somebody's going to tell us the truth. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I'm. You have to be careful yeah. how you do that because because you're there as the as the you know in inverted commas uh, uh, expert. Yeah, but you you know you you have to. I, I for years the first part of my presentation was talking about the people that I'd been inspired by. Yeah. Um. You know, I always thought that was really important. Uh, you were on that list for a little I while. Know, I was I, a little. I, 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 I took bumped, you off it in I the got end. Bumped off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I expected that. And then I show some pictures from my first wedding, and and then no, I show your first pictures wedding. from my first wedding. Well, from, from your wife? No. My word. Oh. <laughs> Moving on. That's a bit strange, isn't it? Bring in the first wife. Although I do have to... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I do have to kind of get in touch with her soon. Do you? Why? Yeah, uh, it's very complicated. Oh, right, okay. Well, we've got time. Would you like to expand? No, don't worry. <laughs> right, your question. Ash Milburn, he says, Hi, with all the excitement surrounding the announcement and release of the X-T4, it is easy to overlook that there has actually been another X-T camera released by Fujifilm recently. Yes. The X... Do you know what he's going to say? XT200. Yes. Yes. XT200. As not all photographers have a, limit, a limitless supply of money, I would appreciate some feedback and maybe a spotlight being shown on an upcoming podcast about mm. whether the XT200 is a good camera and a worthy upgrade to my XT100. That's a good point, actually, because we don't really talk about the XT. Well, we haven't talked about the XT200 at all as it was coming uh, up. I love my XT100, and yes, it yes. is an entry level camera, yeah. but it's still capable of producing some superb stills. Yeah. Um, I'm on the tightest of budgets and I'm sure I can't be the only one listening who can't stretch to the X-T4, X-Pro3 so how about a few minutes discussing the abilities of the X-T100 or X-T200 well have you used them? Um, no I feel like he's turning us off a bit there <laughs> do yeah, you think so? I feel like yeah I feel like how about you spend some time doing what I want you to do <laughs> well, instead of what everybody else, everybody else wants you to do? But he does have a point, though. He does have a we point. We have talked about the X-T4 a lot, the uh, X-Pro3 we just went bonkers over. I am only joking, of course, Ash. Yeah. Um, I had the X-T100. Yeah. Uh, very good camera. Sold it. Um, <laughs> very, very good camera. Sold it. I sold a lot of stuff recently. Right. Um, X-T200, I haven't had any time with at all um i would say yes actually you know you're right it is the entry level kind of camera but the xt200 has had a few um like the 4k upgrades and um various other bits and pieces are still you know for me i think as a somebody who used the xt100 I don't think I would have a need right now for the X-T200. The reason I got the X-T100 originally yeah. was because I wanted to use it for vlogging mm. um, with that little oh, tilt screen. Flip around screen. No, yeah. of course, that's in the X-T4 and various is, things. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, And I don't really do any vlogging. So it kind of went away from me, and, and that's why I sold it. But you're right. You're absolutely right. And actually, you know what? the X- I'm not sure what the price of the X-T200 is, but it's definitely cheaper than an iPhone. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, interchangeable lenses, 4K video, little flippy, tilty round screen, all of those lovely um, uh, filters that I love, the toy camera filters and everything, which are in all, a lot of the cameras, but I love all those. I think mm. they're great. Um, yeah, so uh, hopefully, Ash, um, I don't know, did you have we, have we got the timer going? Did we get to two minutes talking about Ash's XT200? Uh, Is it just two? Did two? we get to two minutes there? Did, How about now? No, we didn't. It's one minute 50. <laughs> so says the producer. Uh, yeah, so there we go, Ash. Um, Sorry, right. Ash. It's a good camera. Um, entry level, for sure, doesn't mean it's bad. We'll whip him into shape. But if for, your XC100 is giving you what you need, you do not need to upgrade. Oh, I'm sitting here. Um, okay, one more, and then we'll do the, the uh, Kev's Book of the Week this week. Mark Bodie, top of the day to you both. Um, is he from Ireland? I'm guessing so. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's a very Irish phrase, isn't it? But he doesn't, doesn't say... Top Ireland. of the morning. Top of the morning. Top of the day. Uh, just finished listening to episode 53 and the and, and the publishing of a book. Uh, when I think both of you have work worthy of a book, I totally understand why you feel you don't. Oh, yeah, we were both saying we don't think we're not worthy. Uh, don't we all think uh, that about our own work? Anyway, I might have a solution for you, chaps. How about a zine? 
Just in case you don't know what they are, here's a Wikipedia definition. A zine is a small circulation self-published work of original or appropriated texts and images, usually reproduced via photocopier. There's a whole zine culture out there, and I've only just discovered it. It covers a, a whole range of artists. So my limited research getting published is uh, it's ridiculously simple. Most printers do booklets, and a zine is pretty much a booklet. You could do a limited run of 50 and just charge folks for the price of the printing and the shipping. Oh, I'm in the process of making my first. I'll send you a copy. Has it arrived? Mm. I haven't mm. seen it. Showing my black and white landscapes. Mm. Anyway, keep up the great work. Yada, yada, yada from Mark. Mark Bodie. That's an idea, isn't it? A zine. Yeah, a zine. Although I hate the word zine. Oh, do you? Oh, I right. hate it. So why, why? I hate it, hate it, really? hate it, hate it. It seems a little bit strong, really. Most people hate things I like hate a virus, no, but you hate a zine. Don't say the word zine to me. Why? I hate it. It's Do you hate it almost as much as the word tog? Uh, yes, I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. I hate silent letters as well, right. pointless, pointless things. Uh, but I hate the word zine. I like, I like what they are. Do you like the idea of producing a zine? Yes. Yeah. Stop saying it. Well, what are we going to call it? It's not a magazine, is it? Yes, it is. No, it's not. It is. is it's it? just a little one. A zine? Thanks. No. Don't just cut half of words off call just it a because mag. it's a small what one. What about a mag? You don't know. Like a, li- a little book isn't called an ook. It's called a booklet. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, it's, ex- it's expanded. No, because a booklet is not a book. A booklet is something different. No, a booklet is a, a zine, small book. A zine is a magazine. Right. You do, <laughs> if you have a, if you have a uh, I don't know, a, yeah. a small coffee, yes. you don't call it a fee. Ugh. Anyway, I hate it. The, z- the zine word, I hate it. Right. I, I have an unnatural But what about the idea of a like mini magazine, then? <laughs> That's better. <laughs> that sounds much better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think yeah, the idea. idea is very good. Yeah, right. and actually, there's a lot of people doing them. He's quite right. I remember them when um, was a, there's a mini magazine culture. <laughs> mini magazines. <laughs> I remember when we used to go with me and my dad used to go and watch Newport County back in yeah. the day, and uh, Newport they would County, hey. they would uh, they would have the um, fan what they were called fanzines. Right. Uh, See, that was a zine, black and white thing. Fanzine. Yeah, but it was a fan magazine. Right. No, it wasn't. It was a fanzine. Fan magazine. Oh, okay. Fan mini magazine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Did you buy this f- fan mini magazine? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was great. And then sometimes they would even do them, they would have them printed by the time you got to the, the newspapers. Yeah. Uh, the South Wales Argus used to do a, a football special yeah. and the kick f- football would finish at quarter to five. And by the time like uh, six o'clock came, they'd have it printed and you could still, s- the ink was still wet on the paper and they'd be selling them at the gates. Do you have a lot of trouble in London, by the way? Or, or, the, the, what do you mean? Just well, be, just, you know, just if ever around. you come out of Oxford Circus, there's a guy right at the top that's selling the evening. St- well, doesn't they don't sell it anymore? They give it away now, don't they? The evening Standard. Yeah. Now, in times gone past, they go Evening Standard. Now they go, Yeah. <laughs> it's just not a word anymore, is it? Yeah. They. they ah! That would be a great photo. I'm going to. I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm, what I'm thinking now. Go on. No. <laughs> No, go on. Because that would be a really good... Um, photo story. Photo story, because I, I, I remember... That guy at the top there. Yeah, but well, all, they, all of them. They've become because different you know, guys. You know what them. happened only with the standard? When when I was working in London, I used to get my standard every night from the top of Liverpool Street Station. Right. And in those days, it was... Would they have think, shouted evening standard then? 35 pence. Evening standard. They all stand, shout different things, you see. Ah. And, um, and then when the evening standard went free, mm. of course, it... it be cutting a lot more adverts in there but it went free and uh all of these sellers 
who were getting paid commission by the amount of papers they sold mm. suddenly were out of work mm. you know and a lot of them have been there for like 20 30 40 50 years they've been doing it for a long time so there's a big campaign to keep the sellers and, and of which they they did keep them and they, i think they give them some kind of basic amount of money just to to, to do the job it's not based yeah, on the sales yeah, yeah. um so now they don't need to they don't need to they don't need to shout to get people well, to come do, over then, they? oh they do they used to yeah shit. yeah but also it it stems back to um the time when there was more than one like evening newspapers and stuff there, yeah. there was well, there's, there's metro fighting now for as well it. of course isn't there but yeah, there's loads of them. Yeah. Right, um, book book of the week, Kev's book of the week. What what have you got for us this week? Oh, I'm reaching over. Oh. <laughs> it's a big book. This one. I shouldn't do that because this is an expensive. I know. Very very limited edition. Uh, it's not a limited edition. It's just a first edition. So what we have today is Anton Corbine. I call him Corbine. You might call him Corbin. Uh, and it's this is the book. Called Please the, don't write in about that. This is called. He, know, he knows. This is called Famous. Yes. Uh, uh, I have the German print edition of this. Uh, F A M O U Z. Yeah. Photographs, nineteen seventy-five to yes. nineteen eighty-eight. Yes. Um, there is English print and German print. I have the first edition German print of this, so it's pretty rare. Wow. Um, so this isn't available anymore. You couldn't go on Amazon and you find this, would you? You would be very... I'd be very surprised if you could find... Certainly not the first edition. I'd be very surprised if you could find... You might pick it up in a bookstore or you might find it on abebooks.com or anything mm. or something like that. However, oh, look so... look at these plates. Um, yeah, I mean, anybody who doesn't know Anton Corbine, um, Corbin, whatever you want to call it, he is a very, very famous um, photographer, does a lot yeah. of the photographs for you too. He did the... Um, uh, the documentary, the film, uh, The American with um, George Clooney. George the American, Clooney, yeah. he was the director You're of looking that. Like, yeah. He also did that film about Joy Division called right. Control. Uh, okay. And uh, that's a brilliant film. Yeah. And some of the pictures I'm looking at now in this book are, you know, from there, still from there. It's, um, and it's a black and white film. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing film. Beautiful. What do you think about shot. doing your YouTube films in black and white? Yeah, possibly. Or has it kind of been done? Mm, yeah, it's a bit, but mm. who knows? I mean, it's mm. all about... The thing about black and white is, as you, I'm flicking through these pictures here... These um, are just enormous... These are enormous pictures but they, in, in terms of their contrast. Look at that. Do you know you know exactly where that is. No, I like black to be black and white to be white. Yeah. Well, it's that, not a salad of grey like you see. So much black and white work. Look at that. That's outside the Bank of England. Yeah. You know... Um, but the thing is, what you what you're talking to well, shadows talking about just there, disappear into nothing. Which black is, and, you yeah. need light. You need light in black and white. Yeah. You need to have light, and you yes. need to have dark. You can't just make a low contrast image, black and white, and then hope for the best. And that's yeah. why, when you look at Anton Corbin's work, especially the um, you, uh, you know that's the guy from the Sex Pistols. There, what's yeah. his name? Um, uh, is that John Lydon? John Lydon. Yeah. Is it John or Joe? John. John. No, Joe Lydon's the rugby player. Um, you know, there's. The the compos- even though some of these pictures are uh, relatively candid, the composition is good. The light and the contrast is amazing. Mm-hmm. There is a wonderful documentary of Anton Corbin on Amazon Prime as well. Okay. Um, I will link to it once again, yeah, of course, we'll in the thing. Um, but it's uh, it's a good. He's a, he's a. Some people seem to think he's a little bit of a misery guts in real life. <laughs> um, I have no problem with that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I might get on very well with him. <laughs> Um, but I love his work and yeah. this book so Anton Corbin famous is um, uh, 1975 to 1988 so it's yes. a lot of his old black and white plates as you say of course all film photography They're beautiful pictures um, beautiful many yeah. famous people you two uh, Sex Pistols 
Uh, I once sat next to uh, John Lydon in a roundtable discussion about music. I ever tell you that story? No. Um, do you remember roundtable? Mm, vaguely. Was on it on the, just after Jack and Ori? <laughs> no, this is a radio programme, oh, ra- right. on Radio 1. And uh, they always used to have, um, uh, each week, three guests to review the week's latest releases. So there was, um, on the panel that, that uh, I think, who was in the chair? Was Jackie Brambles. Remember Jackie Brambles? Yeah. The, 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 uh, the Radio 1 presenter? Yeah. Then um, the, the, the presenter guest was me. And there was John Lydon, and there was Mick Rutherford. Is it, uh, oh, from... Um, is it Mick Rutherford? Mick Rutherford from... Um, uh, he ain't heavy. No, uh, Mick Rutherford from... Everywhere they go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. An Australian band. Mike Rutherford, not Mick. What am I talking yeah, about? Yeah, don't, Mike, Mike don't tell me. Uh, Everywhere, brothers, sisters. I can't sing the whole song oh, for copyright. Give me, just tell me half the first word. Um, Mike and the mechanics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the clue is in the name. If I only hadn't called him Mick. Uh, but anyway, on this particular um, episode of Mick and, uh, Mick and the mechanics <laughs> of, of Round Table, <laughs> I remember John Lydon being particularly badly behaved and. Um, uh, the the beers did floweth from the uh, Radio One continuity fridge, and uh, we came to uh, we came to a song by Banana Rama, and Mike bless him was he's just polite about everything. It's one of the nicest blokes you can meet. He was like, well, I quite like the way that it was all constructed, and I I liked all that, and um, I, I like the way the. The, the chorus came in. I think they have beautiful tone. And he was just, he loved it. Came to me and I, I sort of thought, well, if Mike said that, I'll say the same sort of thing. And then uh, Jackie said to uh, uh, to John Lydon, she said, what, what did you think, John? He sat back in his chair and said, well, I tell you what, I had more fun pulling my poo than I did listening to that. <laughs> Let's have another <laughs> song. <laughs> the show aired for another couple of weeks, I think. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to edit that into shape. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, dear. Happy days. Yeah. No, Shall we, <laughs> Shall we do an interview? Yeah. Um, do you know, this started quite... Do you know, this started in very humorous fashion, this interview. Because Fram... I've, I've, um, I was introduced to Fram May as a, as a photographer, not so long back, actually, by, uh, by my good friend Giles Penfound, the, the army photographer. And he said, you know, you really should go and talk to Fran because she was mentored by Bill Brandt. Um, her work in the, uh, the 70s in particular um, was absolutely phenomenal as a, as a documentary piece about England. And so, yeah, I said, that sounds fantastic. So I went, I made an arrangement and I turned up on the day and I knocked on the door and this happened. Hello, looking for Fran, Neil James. Neil, oh, God, Had you forgotten I was coming? Yes. Oh, my word. It's all right. Okay. It's just, I've had... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to look before I You must be coming this week. I must check. Do you know, I nearly checked yesterday. To <laughs> Come in here. Are you okay? To yes, um, I'm all right. Um, come in here. Okie doke. An auspicious start to an interview, but as Fran May, the much-respected British documentary photographer, went about her home hurriedly making coffee and preparing for the unexpected scheduled interview, 
I couldn't help thinking my entrance was typical of how I thought of Fran since being introduced to her work. I was actually secretly thrilled that my appearance was now a reactionary process, the kind of reality that she's famous for photographing in her trademark down-to-earth style. So I went about setting up a trio of cameras for an InVision interview, a short excerpt of audio that you're about to hear now. Her photo book, Fran May Photography, 1974-1978, represents a revered collection of early work, a poignant narrative of monochromatic England in the pre-Thatcher years. The book includes the best part of 200 black-and-white pictures, the result of regular bus rides to 25 destinations to photograph documentary scenes. And for us, Fran May is now part of English photographic heritage. But it could have been such a different path after a family relocation from Vancouver. My parents were English and they'd gone out to Canada with two small boys. Right. And it was, there was still a lot of rationing after the war. And they were living in a very tiny flat in York with a, a work surface you had to take off in the kitchen to reveal a bath underneath. And, you know, it'd been a bit of a struggle. They'd married late anyway. And... My father had passed by a hotel with a, a sign in the window saying, big meeting, come and, you know, come come to Canada, Canada needs you. Kind a better of life in Canada. A better so, life, yes. yeah, land of milk and honey and all yes. that. And he just thought he had nothing to lose, you know, so um, he went over without my mother. And then my mother joined him later when he'd, he'd got secured a job, got a house together in a car, <laughs> and they'd never had a car before. Um, and she went out on this ocean-going boat uh, with two small boys, and she was the kind of girl who'd never been out of York before. That's where wow. she'd born. She'd never been that out of the city. That was an education. So it was petrifying. Yeah. I know. Uh, she wrote a, a sort of journal as she went as well, so it's very interesting reading. Do you still have that journal? Yes. Yeah, mm. we do. Um, and then she went out, and I was the first born in Canada. She had five babies in Canada. Uh, then my father was told that he had to go work in the Peace River District, which was miles away from home, as it was, because he, he was an electrical engineer and he was pioneering electrical lines over the Rockies, places that never had electricity before. Uh, went with a group of men, you know, there'd be about 50 of them. They'd cut down trees, build log, log cabins, shoot their own food, put some lines up, uh, move on and do the whole thing, process again. So he'd be away from home for about three months at a time anyway. Uh, and this this other area that he was being sent to meant that, that he wouldn't come home very often uh, and, in fact, meant that we all would have had to have gone with him and gone to very elemental schools. And he just, you know, his Englishness just kicked in. He didn't think he was doing right by us um, and decided not to go. So he said, right, we'll, we'll all go live in New Zealand. So we all trekked off to New Zealand. And we were <laughs> staying in about three motels because by then there were seven children and um, and he's, I, I actually don't know how many months we were there. We, we were all trying to work it out, but he couldn't get a job. So he just fell, phoned his old, old company back up in Leeds uh, and said, can I come back? And they said, yes. I mean, he'd worked from there, for them since the age of something like 13 as a lad polishing the doorknobs. You but, know? You, but you hadn't had any experience of, of the UK, of course. No, none. You, you were, you, I, I, I'd never been to school properly. Well, you uh, only knew Canada and New Zealand. Uh, that's right. And it was always... We had a nice house. We were quite sort of middle-classy then. My father was earning good money. And we sailed into Southampton, um, and I'd never seen dullness like it, you know. 
I, I remember feeling the trepidation. You, we, were, we you, all were, did. you were itching to get back, weren't you? <laughs> well, we came from blue skies. I mean, it's yeah. cold in Canada, but it's like having a, a dry heat, you know. It doesn't affect you nearly as much as humidity. And the same with cold. You know, if it's dry, cold, you don't feel that cold so, so much. And, and, of course, we always had blue skies. You know, this enormous space change from this middle-class, you know, big white house in Canada in a sunshiny state where you could walk down to the beach. And suddenly I was in these grim places and I, I couldn't work it out. I couldn't understand how it could be like that in England where my parents had come from. I just couldn't get it. And so I think that's why I started photographing it. And then I got absolutely hooked. Because, of course, we had, you know, that in that time, you know, we, we it was terrible. It was 1973. 1974, the politics were haywire. I mean, with electricity three days a week, and you know, all these all, all these strikes were going on, and I didn't realise it fully at the time because my father was very Victorian. Actually, we weren't allowed to read the newspaper. He was the only one to read the newspaper. We weren't allowed to watch television unless we asked first, and we had to say why we wanted to watch television. So we lived in a kind of vacuum, if you like, political vacuum. And I didn't really realise what was going on politically. All I knew was that suddenly we didn't have as much money as we used to have. And mum was saying, well, you know, we're going to a jumble sale. You can buy some new clothes there. You know, that sort of thing. So we obviously, my father's income must have plummeted at that point. And uh, carpets were getting bare and <laughs> all this sort of thing. So... Um, it must have been a, di a difficult time for them. And uh, so I, I just became even more hooked on, on the photography. I had a full grant and I used to get buses. I used to get a bus and I, I, would, I would go to Wakefield, I would go to Sunderland, I would go to Scarborough, I would go to uh, Blackpool. Did you ever have a plan as you went? I didn't have a plan. I just, somebody would say something like, ooh, the zoo in, in Manchester's closing down. I thought... Oh, I better go and photograph it. Yeah. And so I would get the bus to Manchester and go walk around the zoo. And uh, I'd only have a short while there because, you know, what buses are like, they take forever to get there. You'd have a few hours and you'd have to come home again um, on a bus. <laughs> Mate, you, you describe yourself as a loner, actually, and, and I've, I've, yeah. I've read that account of yourself, which is probably perfect, isn't it, for this kind of work and documentary photography? Because it's a very lonely you don't do individual occupation, isn't you it? You don't do it as a team. Yeah. You, are, you have to be a self-contained individual, you know. There's an, an outside chance that if you hadn't met Bill Brandt at, um, at the Royal College of Art, which is where you went, yes. that uh, this could have remained a more personal body of work than uh, you know, work hidden from public gaze. Or had you decided by then, nope, this is what I'm doing. I'm a documentary photographer. This is where I'm headed. No, strangely, I'll tell you, interestingly, I took more landscape photographs when I was at Sheffield than I did these people pictures. And if you ask uh, either Roger Taylor or, or Ken Phillips now, they'll say, we didn't know you were taking those people pictures. They knew about my trees and my beautiful light in landscape pictures. And in fact, it was the landscape pictures that got me a, a place at the Royal College of Art, strangely. So um, I started looking for trees in London. <laughs> I went to Wimbledon Common and I thought those spindly little sort of silver birches or whatever they're called. And I thought, this is, this is no future. I think what I'm going to have to do is go back and do some more of those people pictures. <laughs> 
months. <laughs> so I thought, what can I do? And I went and I started actually photographing. I, was, I went right back to the I've got to understand people's lives thing. So I, I, I was a 50-50 person. I love landscape and I still do lots of landscape. And I love doing the people pictures. So I, I thought, right, I'm going to photograph homeless people. So I, I got permission to go into a hostel for homeless men in City Road. And then I found a hostel for women, photographed them. And then I went into Centrepoint in Shaftesbury Avenue and I photographed the kids. And I stayed there all night, a couple of nights, to help out. Um, and then that the idea was that I'd give them the pictures for publicity and, and so on. So I was doing that. And then somebody told me about this street called Brick Lane. I'd never heard of it. And uh, I went there one morning. They said, you have to go early in the morning to capture the atmosphere. And I went there and I thought, yeah, there really is interesting. There's these huge characters playing accordions or, you know, this strange instrument. I don't know what it is. It's like a, I don't know, a hybrid instrument somebody called Ginger would play. And, and just the other people that were there as well, the people in the cafes and who walked around. And, and, and I just went back and back and back and back. And so when, in the second year, when... Bill Brandt was given a uh, an honorary doctorate. He had to, as part of that, he was asked to do some teaching duties. And he was quite old. He was in his you know, mid-80s or mid to late 80s. And he was too old to come into college. So we used to go to his house in uh, High Street, Ken. And I remember going, ringing the doorbell, and this woman's voice would say, who is it? And I'd say, it's Fran from college, come for Bill Brandt. Uh, come upstairs, and we were up on the second floor. Uh, and, you know, the, she'd disappear, but there was a voice came from a, another room, and Bill Brandt would be sitting near the fire, always had a live fire, and he'd ask to sit on a, a stool at his feet and show pictures. And I showed him first, the first time, I showed him my landscape pictures, because I knew he liked landscapes as well. And he said, I don't think I can teach you anything. I said, oh, all right then. And I didn't know if that was a rejection. I didn't know quite how to talk to him. And I was only 21, you know, I was only 21 years of age at that time, 22 maybe. I went back to college and I met John Hedgecoe, who was the professor in those days, in the corridor. He said, how did you get on with Bill Brandt? And I said, well, I don't think I'll go back. He said, he can't teach me anything. He said, you will go back. He said, you make the most of your opportunities. You go back again next week. So I thought, oh, what shall I take him this time? Oh, I'll take him those people pictures. <laughs> Took him a great bunch of them in a portfolio. And these have a different effect on him entirely. He sat and he looked through them all really slowly. And he had this lamp behind his back. And I remember him stopping and pulling the lamp a bit closer over his shoulder and settling down again. And he just looked through them and... I just watched his face because the fire was lit again and it would flicker on his face. And, um, it, you know, he looked through them and he said, um, where did you take these pictures? And I told him that the first lot were in Sheffield, uh, some were in Leeds, etc. And, and the last ones he'd looked at were in Brick Lane. I'd, I'd only taken them within the last fortnight or so. And he just said to me, "Ah, oh, Fran, I'll tell you, don't ever lose these pictures they will have social significance one day. And, you know, really emphasised that. 
And basically, you know, I think going back one final time after that, where I, I'd, I'd sort of realised I'd done something special, but I didn't really know how special. And so we talked about um, why. And he talked about, you know, the, the key moments that you photograph in your life have a huge significance and they become timeless moments. And that, you know, even in his own lifetime, photographs that he took, which were then juxtaposed in the way that they were in his books with um, wealthy parlourmaids, uh, the parlourmaids in wealthy homes being juxtaposed next to a miner who was covered in soot and is just wearing his vest and is sitting down for his tea, still all dirty, or in having a, t a wash in a tin bath with his wife pouring water over. But the juxtapositions had a profound effect on everybody. And he said, but they were, you know, a lot of those pictures were commissions that he took, you know, just commercial, commercial jobs that he was given but it's the way they were juxtaposed later but he said the the effect in his own lifetime of the passage of time had a, an enormous effect as well because people look back well they're looking back in their own lifetime to a visual proof if you like a truth uh, that they're almost on the cusp of forgetting and yet you can't forget it because the photo photographs are there and it was real it was real, um, it was silver recorded with real light affecting objects and bouncing into the camera so you were recording a reality. It wasn't like painting or drawing or even using words. It was a reality that you could really get to grips with and it, it, you know, we, it was the best way of recording life on earth. It, it became like that, it became profound, <laughs> you know. It was just an amazing, amazing thing to realise. So thank you to, uh, to Fran May for, uh, for being our guest this week on the podcast. And uh, I don't know I, whether I will have done it. So I'm trying to think in the future when, when this podcast was recorded and when the film might be made. But uh, I'm going to stick a Fran May film up in the air, actually, of her answering a lot more questions than what you just heard. And that'll be on, on my personal YouTube channel. But we'll probably share a bit across onto the Fujicast YouTube channel as well. Have you been there yet, by the way? No, you should do. Um, Matthew Campania complaint uh -oh. oh no complaint coming in everyone warning warning i'm very much enjoying the podcast uh in all ways but one it's a soundboard oh sorry we just used it <laughs> i'd happily see the entire thing destroyed but if i do have one request though it's that you just remove the trump clips when you play the don't be rude clip i grate my teeth and i'm reminded about how frustrated i am in the midst of all this stuff so uh Oh, I don't know what to say because it's supposed to be just satire, really, isn't it? Satire. Yeah, can't please all the people all the time. You certainly can't, can you, Donnie? Don't be rude. Absolutely. <laughs> you know that um, um, spitting image is coming back, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's perfect time for spitting image, isn't it? I loved spitting image. Oh. Loved it. Da, yeah. da, da, da. That was a theme tune, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. something like that. Something like that. Anyway. Lister from Red Dwarf was on it, wasn't he? Yes. Started it off. So, Matthew, sorry, I do apologise about that. It's, <laughs> it's supposed to, I don't know, it's supposed to be a bit of satire, I don't know, USP, but um, we're doing our best. Okay, Florian Cortese, straight in there with the right pronunciation. Yeah, you were, actually. 
I'm in the process of switching from Canon to Fuji, probably the X-T3 and not the new X-T4. I bought the X100F last year and just fell in love with it. I started watching YouTube and saw several of Kevin's videos and became a subscriber to him. There's a cure. (laughs) I just... (laughs) I just recently discovered FujiCast last week and caught your one-year celebration podcast. So here I am. Yeah. I'm a subscriber too. Well, welcome. Oh, sorry. No, I'm a subscriber to Thomas as well, since I do landscape photography, Tom Heaton. Oh, Tom Heaton. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, cheers from Butte, Montana. Oh, (laughs) it wasn't a question after all. It was just a thank just you. a statement. Oh, well, that's very nice of you, Flor- uh, Florian. You, you know that long uh, meeting that we have every <laughs> single morning where, where you drink coffee um, and we discuss which questions are going to be on the show. And I'm, I, and I hand you your <laughs> questions. <laughs> I never read the questions. You do first. read them, don't you? <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Dominic, uh, Dominic Bigato. Enjoy the show. Had a quick question with the two of you. I quite enjoy occasionally putting some vintage glass on the old X-Pro 2. The combination really harkens back to the, the feeling of when I shot film. The manual focus and character of the glass lend to the experience and resulting images. Do either of you put old glass on your digital cameras? I, I did actually with uh, my Canons, but I, I haven't actually ever, ever, ever tried it with the Fujis. But uh, I believe there's some great stuff out there that you can... Mm, I've yeah. got a couple of old... Have you? Uh, kind what of, do you use to, to connect the... Uh, I, I have a couple of old Minolta lenses. Ah, right, okay. And, uh, with a little Minolta adapter. So you can, Are those adapters easy to get? Yeah, and they're dirt cheap as well. Right. Yeah, dirt cheap. Well, of course, it's manual focus only, though. So what, what, what do you mean by dirt cheap? What sort of cost? Uh, like the adapters that could be... Fifteen pounds? Oh, nothing at all. No, right, no, okay. no, no. And the, and the old lenses often are quite cheap as well. Yeah. So yeah, they're pretty good. Um, Perfect. Right. Yeah. Do you have an actual question? I have a real question. Ah, I good. Uh, this is from Jorel Gates in uh, Chicago, Illinois. Do either of you have what you consider your work cameras and your personal cameras? Uh-huh. Personally, my wife and I shoot weddings together, so we have four XH ones and XT three, etc., etc. Four XH ones and XT three. Um, that we use for photography and filming. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, well, along with big expensive glass. Most of that gear stays in the case unless I'm doing a paid job or a wedding. And I have an XE3, a cheap XC1650 that I use to walk around and that find it gives me a bit more peace of mind knowing that if it were damaged, stolen or accidentally left behind, that I would still have, have the work, the, the equipment I need to do for my, uh, yeah. for my main job. Uh, just wondering what your points of view are to this. Thanks again for making such an enjoyable show. Um, well, I do. Well, I suppose the X100F would be my don't use professionally camera. I know plenty of people do use the F professionally, don't they? Yeah. I, I mean, just have it because there is a separation between using that camera and using an X-T3 for me. Yeah, I think that there's uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for you know not wanting to to lose your main mm. uh, income generating cameras if you just leave them in the park or something. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I typically le- just kind of lev- levitate towards the X100. Yeah. I also had an XE3, sold it. Right. Uh, you got rid of a lot of cameras. All though. gone. Yeah. Yeah. All gone. Who on earth bought one of those? Because you don't have dividers in your bag. They must be in terrible state. My XE3 was in mint was condition. Was that mint? Was it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, although no box, of course, or mm. cables, or chargers, or anything like that. Um, XT100. Do you went, throw all that stuff away? Yeah. You should keep that. I recycle it. Put it into a big box. What? I would have to have a box as big as your studio for all my stuff. <laughs> uh, You're a bit of a hoarder. No, it's much better to recycle it. And yeah. it, 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 it's a fact. It is a real thing that the the resale value is higher if you keep the box. Mm. That makes me so angry. Isn't that interesting? Why would you? 
why would you pay more for something for a camera because it's got a box well it becomes a collectible you see no it's <laughs> i beg your pardon um you see um thomas our youngest okay he loves loves his model trains as you well know yes and um one of the trains he he wanted last year for christmas was um the and for, uh, this is for all train spotters in the uk um the gwr class 800 Mm, which I is know it well. you know it well because you travel on it a lot don't you mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's that it's the new electric one mm-hmm. um so um we got it it's uh, it came in its box it was the paddington bear um michael bond um edition because mm-hmm. his um name is on the that particular train and so there we go and it, now that train now boxed only boxed mind is worth Uh-oh. pounds yes to that, collect. that is very different so i, I you know I, I crept into his room a couple of days ago, boxed it up, sent it out. <laughs> no, I haven't really. Oh, oh, <laughs> Can you imagine that? We Dad. did. We did say it to him when he was misbehaving himself. The other, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, he said, "Don't send my train yeah. off." Oh, bless him. <laughs> but no, that's different because that is collection stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, so my original X100, I've kept the box for because right. that is a collector's item. And I also have my original, I, so I have my modified box for the X Pro One when I had it reskinned. Mm-hmm. Um, they did this kind of uh, signature edition. Reskinned signature edition. Yeah, I had it skinned with black leather. Wow. Uh, Feature film did that for a little while. They don't wow. do it any longer. Um, so yeah, things like collector's collector stuff is fine. Yes, but an XT One Hundred or an XE Three is not a collector's item. No. And it does. The fact is, it does. Co- it does. You, you know you will get more if you have the box and mm. and the manuals and and the little stickers and everything and all that stuff but that makes me absolutely i just do not understand it no. why why i want to buy this thing to take pictures with um so but I, i'm willing to give you a little bit more money if you've got a box and and a piece of paper and a sticker and you know like have you still got the little plastic little the little <laughs> tiny plastic sheets that that the uh the lugs you know where the the um straps I they, they all, come in a little plastic i keep all of that you don't keep i that do stuff. i put it all in the box and uh, if i ever sell a camera which i have and do then uh, i know that i can but send it's it better to recycle it as box yeah. yes well we do a fair amount of recycling well you've got more to do my friend <laughs> i'm not there are you ready for some indulgence are you ready <laughs> Let's go for club indulgence. Um, oh, have you got some? Do you want some reviews? I thought you had some over there. Let me pass you a couple. There's always some reviews. There we go. There's there's some reviews for you. Here we go. Um, a great listen on a Monday morning. Oh, thank you very very much, by the way, for, for the reviews that you're sending through the Apple Podcast. They really do help the show. Honestly, they do, uh, because that helps, um, that helps us uh, be identified by the great Apple powers that be in the elevators up there and, and we reach a few more listeners and stay here just a little bit longer um so a great listen on a monday morning something to brighten up my dreary monday morning drive to cardiff that's not dreary is it well, you get to go through the beautiful newport yes keep you awake all the time M- mates having a chat about everything photography related not just fuji but canon as well yeah we do mention canon from time to time loving the banter and and, and learn something every t- single time i listen you may even move me over to fuji fully as your subliminal messages by fuji by fuji of how good Fujifilm is starting to work. Thank you, and keep going. Uh, from Steve, another photographer in Wales. Steve Weller. 
That was a long one. Uh, this one's from Dave Trice. He says, vaccine to those Monday morning blues. Oh, don't mention that word. Seems apt. Yeah. Kevin and Neil are just incredible. Yada, 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 yada. Their podcast fosters <laughs> an awesome community of professionals and enthusiasts that engage with really useful topics and insights. This community simply tee up the many of the talking points on Kevin and Neil's dynamic together and knock it out of the park. The weekly content is never lacking with great interviews, lots of laughs and some interesting thought-provoking information. If you enjoy photography, no matter the market or gear you utilise, you will enjoy yourself and will actually start looking forward to Mondays for another round. Yes. Do you know, if we ever had some merch, that's the trendy thing to say, isn't it? Merch? Merch. It would just, I think the t-shirt should be just yada, yada, yada. I hate that word, merch. <laughs> hate, 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 almost, hate. Almost as much as Zine. <laughs> Anyway, look, thank you very much. If you sent in some reviews, you're an absolute star. We love you to bits, obviously. And you must remember... You're our favourite listener, and we mean it. True. Um, right, your question. This is a question from Jan Kroger. Mm. Uh, he's from uh, Rummelsburger, spell, spell booked that. in Berlin. Spell that for me. Jan? Jan, J-A-N. Yeah. K-R-O-E-G-E-R. How did you say that? Jan Kroger. Yeah, I think that's right. Nobody's disagreed with you. And he's from a Rummelsburger Bucht in Berlin. <coughs> yeah, I'm not saying it again. It's terrible. <laughs> I enjoy every upcoming podcast of yours, though I am not a professional, but an enthusiast and that's love right. taking up your uh, interview partner's tips and challenges. I know you, Kevin, in brackets, have explained that you often use AFL button. I don't understand when you use it. <laughs> I thought that was going to be a bit freaky then. I know you, Kevin. I know where you live. I've been under your bed. I would assume that people during weddings move around and the focal plane is always changing. Yeah. In situations where the focal plane isn't changing, I can understand to use it. I do mostly kite surf, snow kite, snow kite travel and people photography. Oh, wow. I've always uh, wanted to do that snow kiting. And try to figure out where I can make use of it. And I have an advantage using it. Best mm. greetings from Rummelsburger Bucht in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean you're quite right, Jan. In that uh, AFL is you, you can you, you can use it, utilize it with um, continuous. You can have your AFL button on the back kick into the continuous tracking mode. Uh, I typically don't do that, but you can. Uh, it's all about reaction speed, really. So if people are moving up the aisle, for example, recessional or a confetti shot, then I stick it in continuous focus mode. If they're not, then they're not. I you know if people are moving, running around, walking around. It's unlikely that I'm kind of taking pictures and doing that. It's mm. more about hugging, intimate stuff, um, people laughing, joking. So they are standing still. So back button focus, one click, uh, uh, click, 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 three three clicks of the button on the top. Um, autofocus is divorced from the focus button on the back of the camera. So the camera doesn't slow down and refocus every time. Um, for things like your kite surfing, snow kite travel and all that kind of stuff, then possibly you want to be looking more at continuous focus zone focus mm. maybe um spot focus uh various things like that so it doesn't one one how what's the saying one glove doesn't fit all feet <laughs> is that a thing no i don't think so one glove doesn't fit all one, hands feet yeah one glove doesn't fit all feet <laughs> i don't know where you heard that saying uh, anyway <laughs> just because i do it doesn't mean you no. have to do it of course um and cameras are made to be very customizable they'll allow you to do it in your own way you too can have a glove on your foot <laughs> jonathan kerr from northern ireland 
I follow a great street photographer called Pierre T. Lambert. Do you know? Yes. Pierre T. Lambert? I do. Well, I don't know him personally. Uh, seen, his seen, seen his work? Yes. Good work? Yeah, excellent. His YouTube channel consists primarily of uh, FPV, that's first-person view, GoPro mm-hmm. videos of him shooting street. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I really enjoy them. In a recent video shot in Chicago during a blizzard, Pierre crosses a busy intersection and stumbles across oh, a homeless man. Yeah, I know where this is Do you know what's going. coming up? Yeah. 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 Lying under a blanket on the street corner. The video shows Pierre's pace slow, and as soon as he passes his field of view, he raises his camera, takes a shot, and goes merrily about the remainder of his YouTube video, but not before displaying a final edited version of the photograph on screen. I found it um, more morally reprehensible to, uh, in photography to say, you know, said individual being taken during a snowstorm uh, without even so much as offering something in exchange, or at the very least speaking to or acknowledging the person in question because we're all people at the end of the day and the last place this person likely wanted to be was in a snowstorm and was asking for loose change on a street corner in frigid downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. I'd like your thoughts on the matter. Keep up the good work from Jonathan Kerr. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with Jonathan. Oh, well, presumably his opinion is the same as mine. Oh, uh, yeah, I would imagine in, in so, that, yeah. yeah. He that, finds it morally reprehensible yes. to, to make this kind of photograph. Yeah, I do. Uh, not so much making the photograph, um, but then making the photograph and using it to um, get shekels on YouTube mm. um, with no return to the poor the poor guy in the street. Uh, so, you know, my, my moral compass when it comes to um, homeless people, travellers, street people, whatever you want to call whatever the right way of mm-hmm. referring to them these days is, um, is that, you know, I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't take pictures of anything that I wouldn't be comfortable being in that picture myself. And so, I, you know, I've never done a project about homeless people, but if I was doing a project about homeless people, that would be different. And yeah. so I would speak to them and engage with them and they would be rewarded for that. But I think typically for them to be down on their, their, their luck like that is not yeah. a, uh, you know, a fair level playing field for me, unless it's a, pers- a particular project. Everybody's mileage may vary. Your feet, your socks may fit on other hands or whatever. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I agree with. Uh, what, what about Lee Jeffries? What about Lee Jeffries with his work? Yeah, but now Lee's different, isn't it? Because his stuff is uh, far more interactive based. Right. So he's speaking to these people, and who knows? He may be rewarding them somehow. Um, but at the end of the day, he's not. But he's walking. making artwork as well, isn't he? Yeah, but he's not walking past them and stealing a picture without them no, even knowing. True, true, true. Um, that's that's a very big difference, I think. Right. Um, we've got time for one more question, then we'll have... Uh, we'll remember this week the disaster story. OK, so I have a question from Mark Neal. He says, Hey chaps, long-time listener and fan, yada, 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 yada. Yeah. So recently I posted on the Facebook group about my photo I took back in 2015 at Auschwitz concentration camp. My question to the group was to see what views were on, in quotes, air quotes, dark tourism, photography, and the general consensus of capturing images at places like this. Yeah. I was deeply moved and and emotional on my visit there, and I think that came across in the images I captured. I have considered creating a book to share my images and thoughts about the camps. What's your view of people documenting and capturing things like this? Is it good or bad? Some of these places have seen horrific loss of life and will stir some pretty strong feelings from those that have been affected. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to many more episodes. Mark Neal. Mark Neal dot photography. Hmm. I think it's important to make those kind of photographs. You know, this is this is making pictures of some of history's darkest, darkest, darkest moments. 
but it's important. Didn't we? We t- I think we talked. I'm sure Ali Stewart. Remember Ali Stewart? She used to email us a lot. Yeah. Ali, she's, she's gone off gone, us, I think. Gone yeah. off us a bit, yeah. I think. Yeah. Must have said something. She's probably listening to something else. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think Ali raised this question about um, dark tourism for a few months back, and I'm th- fairly sure we talked about it. Yeah. However, um, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think that as long as it's not gratuitous mm. and for the likes, you know, it's if mm. it's I can't. I'm, I'm going to get this picture because it's going to look awesome on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, that's wrong. That's where the moral compass is, is a little bit di- discomposed. Um, but, yeah, if you're doing it for the right reasons, which you obviously are, Mark, then absolutely it's it's important. You know, it is important for this stuff. I've never been there. Um, Would you? Do you want to go? Would you like to go? I, is I, it a place you've thought about going to? Do you know what? If I was, if I was to go there, mm. part of me would, thinks that I probably wouldn't even take a camera. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Giles went there and he did this um, work called, oh yeah, Day Trips to Hell. Oh, God. And it was going to be the start of a series, I think, which he, this was the only one that he produced, which was some um, Auschwitz. Mm. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Particularly poignant piece of work yeah i i of course it's it's everybody is different and uh i think that you know and i'm somebody who was not touched by that um in the war so thankfully uh what about stuff like um (laughs) uh, chernobyl are you interested in uh piprit and chernobyl yeah, I mean, it's the same similar thing. This is where the conversation came from, Ali. Actually, it was about Chernobyl. Sorry. Was it? Okay, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, I don't think it's somewhere that I would necessarily be interested in going to, uh, with a camera at least. Um, you know, I'm interested in the history of it. I'm interested in the, mm. uh, you know, the, the, the facts and, and what happened and recoveries and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that HBO series, by the way, was amazing. I, I wouldn't. It was too scary for me. I wouldn't go. Well, now you're into your horror movies. You <laughs> yeah, could watch this. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't go to these places for. Put, no, this is me speaking, right? I wouldn't go to these places to create a photographic essay. Mm. I would go because I would want to be educated mm. rather than for the photography. Now, whether the photography comes as part of that is different. Whereas, I'd love to go to somewhere like North Korea mm. to make a photographic essay. And probably get in trouble. Um, yeah, so... Is Kev back? Yeah, it's been away three years. He never came back. Yeah. They must like him or he must like them. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> the, the only thing about the, the Chernobyl, going about the Chernobyl one that um, I get sometimes, the ones I don't like are the, the YouTubers that go in there that creep into the exclusion zone because oh. they think it's being clever. Yeah. And they sneak around, they're evading security and they're thinking, guys, you know, it no. wasn't so long ago that no. this was actually the grave place for, for, yeah. for, for yeah. many, many no, that's, people. That bo- that's, yeah. that's terrible. Bonkers. Yeah, bonkers. Yeah. That's the word I was going to say. Oh, I just thought I'd rescue you there. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready for a photo disaster? Yes. All right. Just to lighten the mood. Uh, <laughs> Nicola Alton. Hello, Neil. Hello, Kevin. Absolutely love the show. A couple of years ago, I had an XT2 for fun and Nikon, or is it Nikon? How do we say this? Oh, God. Should we start again? Uh, for everything else, I was thrilled to win a place on one of uh, N- Nikon Nikon School's Day Out to Northumberland. First stop, the lighthouse at Whitley Bay. Oh, I've been there. I began. Uh, I begin to mount my D7100 along with my barely used 8 to 16 mil on the tripod. I think I hear the click of the quick release plate. Take my hand away and watch as my camera tumbles in slow motion <laughs> along the path. 
straight under the railing into the sea. I screamed and ran down to the sea. The camera had landed on a little ledge. I waded in to get it. It was wet through. The Nikon, 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 Nikon team were very good and lent me some more kit for the day, but I did cry. Especially as I'd taken all my things, uh, Nikon, Nikon things, off my insurance this month <laughs> as I was using the Fuji more. <laughs> I'll never take... If you own uh, kit, I mean, I don't, I don't really think you gain an awful lot by taking odds and bobs off, do you? Really? No. I really don't. <laughs> Next, I uh, traded all the Nikon, Nikon gear in and came home with a new Fuji 16-55 and a 51-40. I've increased my insurance and doubled... Uh, I double-checked my tripod. I'm very happy with my now vast collection of Fuji gear. Keep up the work. Nicola Alton from Ashby de la Zouche. Ashby de la Zouche actually exists. No, she made that up. No. It's not true. It's a real place. No, only Adrian Mole knows it. I always used to think it was only a place that was on uh, on travel reports. On the... That was the thing in Adrian Mole, wasn't it? Ash- was it? Ashby, was it de, Ashby de, la de la Zouche. Yeah. I did a wedding at a church in Ashby de la Zouche. No, but it doesn't exist. No, it... <laughs> oh. Oh, well, I was as surprised to find it as you are. <laughs> Send your disaster stories in to click at fujicast.co.uk. Um, I think we've run out of questions, haven't we? Have I think run so. Out of questions? Yeah, I've got nothing. Should we call Time Gentleman, please? Time Gentleman, please. That's it for another week. Um, we are putting some stuff now on the, uh, the new... Um, the YouTube channel that we have so uh, feel, feel free to go and uh, see some of the what we might call I think a mop-ups some of the mop-up questions are on there mop-ups um, uh, if you've um, liked this week's show then uh, if you can comment on uh, on Apple podcast reviews that would be absolutely brilliant thank you it does make a difference we do read every single one thank you to, to this week's guest Fran May as well um, we'll link to Fran May's book by the way in the uh, in the show notes if you can share an episode on Twitter or Facebook, absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Uh, and please let us know where you're sharing it, just in case we can give them a shout back too, because sharing is caring after all. Send your questions to click at fujicast.co.uk. We're doing quite well, actually. I noticed the electronic mailbag was beginning to fizzle down a little bit the last couple of weeks. So um, I know there's a lot going on in people's minds at the moment, obviously, but don't forget to send your questions in. This could be your respite. And it doesn't... Sorry? And, and it doesn't have to be about Fujifilm. No, it doesn't. It could be about any camera. Or anything. Or anything. Yes. <laughs> Kev's cookery tips. Yeah, I'm good at that. Yeah, you are, actually. I made a lush uh, lasagna, vegan lasagna, the other night. Vegan lasagna? Yeah. Lush it was. Was it? <laughs> lush. Well, Welsh lush. Lush. Vegan lasagna. Yeah. What's in a vegan a lasagna? Buffalo cauliflower wings. Buffalo? Oh! <laughs> God, I see. I'm going on... <laughs> Um, music from Blue Wednesday oh of course it is yes supporting music from the incredible artlist.io and if you'd like to find out more about uh, us and uh, go to our websites and see what we're up to with the training and all the stuff that we do then uh, there's uh, there's one easy page to go visit for the for the addresses learn about the kit Neil and Kevin use get links to all their websites and find out first about any new workshops coming up by going to www futurecast.co.uk forward slash the boys and we'll see you next week bye 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 (laughs) delayed sorry of course just to jump in on a show that was recorded before we got locked down this is to remind you that in actual fact we'll meet again tomorrow 
as the Fujicast Daily takes to the downloadable airwaves. So keep those questions coming in, as we said, but equally keep us up to date with what you're doing, how you're preparing to go back online in a business sense, or, or what you've been doing to build your technical and artistic skills during this unexpected downtime. Until tomorrow then, thank you for listening, and thank you for being part of what we now like to think of as a very special community filled with very special people. The Fujicast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.